Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shanks Show. Hour number two of our show. Welcome back. I'm Bill Shanks with Russ Brown. Thank you very much for being with us. I'm in Waycross, Russ in Macon. You're there. We are talking sports and we are taking your phone calls. Let's open up the phone lines now. Area code 478-646-3776. That is 646-ESPN. Area code 478. We'd love to hear your thoughts on what we've been talking about here. More thoughts on the... The changes in Major League Baseball, your thoughts on how that's going to go, anything you like or don't like, or do you like uh, our suggestion about the later innings and how that could go? Uh, So we would love to hear your thoughts about that, your thoughts on the Braves' fifth starter competition. Should you worry about Ian Anderson, or are the Braves in good hands with Bryce Elder and others? You've got that to talk about. Of course, we can talk about the Hawks and Quinn Snyder. He'll coach his second game for Atlanta next week. And we look forward to that, or tomorrow night, I should say. We look forward to that. You can talk about the Jalen Carter stuff and what's going on with him, obviously, and the uh, horrible circumstances that are going on in Athens for um, just a story that is not going to go away anytime soon, that's for sure. And we have... Obviously, every time you talk about it, think about it. I tell you, I, 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 after the show yesterday, uh, I was actually kind of driving around a little bit, just kind of thinking about about it. I mean, it's just, it's just so difficult and so hard to grasp thought process about other topics besides the event itself. Uh, we're, we're a sports show, so we have an obligation to continue to talk about the sports angle of this and it would be different if Jalen Carter were not in the NFL draft and the combine was not this week the timing obviously is uh, very difficult because we do have to talk about football with him we do have to talk about the impact of football with him and uh you know, it's not something we can ignore just out of respect for what happened to the victims. We have to continue to uh, to talk about the ramifications moving forward and if this happens and so forth and so on. It's difficult. It's very difficult because you're talking football and you know two people that were involved in that situation are, are no longer with us. And it's, um, it's just continues to be a, a horrific story that um, you don't want to talk about it. You know, I, I was thinking about that. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about sports with all due respect. I mean, I, I want to, this is what we do. We talk about sports all the time, and it's such a horrible topic. You know, uh, you don't want to get bogged down in it out of respect, even to them. Um, you want to, you, I mean, life goes on. I remember uh, hearing my great grandmother, who lived here in Waycross. She died in 1968, and she had one son die in 1941, car accident, or rather, I'm sorry, a motorcycle accident here in here in Waycross, 1941, right before the war started, right before they bombed Pearl Harbor. Uh, Fred Westbury, he was killed on a motorcycle. He was a motorcycle freak, and he got killed. And then 24 years later or so, her other son died of cancer. 
So when she died in 1968, her two sons had died, and her two daughters were 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 left. One of the daughters was my grandmother, and uh, I've heard my mother many times tell the story about you know my great grandmother would say you have to live for the living. You know you can't you can't uh, get bogged down in that um, because it'll eat you alive. And and uh, you know it had to be tough for her. She lost two children. Two children. Doesn't matter how old your child are, child child is, or children are. If you lose one, it's tough. And and but you know you have to go on. And and we all have to do that, uh, even in spite of the the tragedy in Athens. And uh, and see how it's going to impact Jalen Carter. Because there's no doubt. Again, th- this is a major story of the impact of Jalen Carter now being involved in this story. Uh, again, two days ago, Russ and I were talking about, you know, is he the top player in this draft? Is he the top prospect, the top talent in this draft? I think you'd have a hard time finding someone to say he's not. So when you're dealing with someone of that magnitude who is rated that high and thought of that high, and now he is being thrown into this situation one way or the other, um, it, it's just a, a challenge. It's a very challenging situation. And, uh, you know, even his presence in Indianapolis, I think some people have wondered if she, he should be there. Well, I mean, uh, you know, he he can't go home and just sulk that he's been obviously arrested. He was booked and arrested, and uh, the charges were filed, but he has to continue on. And, you know, he had a statement yesterday, and whew, I, I tell you, that that is the one thing. You know, you, you can look at the statement by Kirby Smart. You can look at the statement by Jalen Carter. It's so hard to say the right thing, and it's it's not easy. Uh, this young man obviously wants to prove his innocence, and that was the main core of his comment. His comment did not have a whole lot of sympathy for the two victims, uh, Jalen Carter's comment. But, you know, he's worried about himself. He's facing charges. So um, I guess that's understandable to some extent. I, I don't know what's understandable and acceptable. It's hard hard to know the, the true, real, right thing to do. You do the best you can. I mean, I think, um, and I was listening uh, again to the call that that our good friend Bobby from Macon, who's called us from day one on this show, uh, he made such a, a great point about the character issue of Jalen Carter and the fact that uh, I don't know how you're going to ignore the character issue when he left the scene of such a huge tragedy and left his teammate there dead. And that's um, that's something that everybody's going to have to think about and wonder about and wonder if you want that on your team. You know, I, I made the comment yesterday, we're not drafting rocket scientists here. We're drafting football players. Uh, the draft is a, a place to get talented football players, and teams crave that. They want that so much. They yearn for that talent. Um, it's a crapshoot, we know, but it's uh, it's always they're desperate for it. They want to find that right player, and uh, I, I have a hard time thinking Jalen Carter is going to slip too far, even with what's going on, unless we hear more things come out, which is definitely possible. There's no question about that. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. We would love to hear your thoughts as we talk sports. Let's go to Coy and Macon. Hey, Bill, what's going on, buddy? You getting ready for a little baseball? Yeah, man, I I finally had the nerve and uh, to start listening, and I was so mad after your opening of uh, 
the show the Monday after the Tennessee beatdown that I had to take a break. Let my well, it wasn't my fault. My, I didn't. I didn't do it. Your fault, man. But golly, that, that <laughs> you didn't have to play Rocky Top to start the show, man. Well, I, I I just was thinking of you, Coy. I thought you'd need a little musical interlude to get you through that tough period in your life. No, I, I did. There was no there was no help for that week, man. Oh, that was that was. That was I tell you one thing that showed you what kind of defense Georgia had, didn't it? It was that was an eye opener right there. I I think when everybody saw that, it was like, oh God, they really may be the best team in college football after that. Well, man, I mean, I thought that. I mean, I never. I was not a Georgia doubter like there were several. You know, I, th- I think that Kirby did a great job of playing up the, oh, the national media doubts us and, um, you know, to his team. and But, man, they were always – I mean, he he recruits so well. And it's just – I know after losing so many starters to the draft, you know, you one would think. But, like, man, y'all, it's just – that's going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And if you ever doubted anything, it was Stetson Bennett, man. But what a what a year he had. That was, oh, yeah. That was crazy. No question. But, it was incredible. All right, you called to talk about the Braves, not your ball. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, you getting yeah. excited? <laughs> well, so I'm, I was hoping you'd give me a little catch-up, man. Like I said, I, I don't get to listen as much as I used to, uh, not on the road anymore, but um, – I just don't really know what to expect, man. What's your what's your what's your takes on it? What Soroka's oh, hurt again? Is that is that right? Is well, he's been slowed by a, a hamstring issue. I mean, I, I think we never should have expected. I didn't expect him to be ready by opening day. I, I think he's he's got to come along slowly. He hasn't pitched in almost three years, so it's a, going to be a process with him that I think needs to start in in AAA to begin the year. Um, I, look, I'm excited. I think this is one heck of a roster. I love the depth. Uh, I love the uh, the rotation. I think regardless of the fifth starter's position, you've got Freed, Strider, Wright, and Morton. I think Charlie's going to come back strong. I think Wright feels and sounds even better than he did last year when he won 21 games. Spencer's a beast. We know that. Max is unbelievable. I mean, that that may be the best rotation going into the year that the Braves have had in, in many years. Um, the bullpen looks fine with Iglesias and Mentor and McHugh and Jimenez. Uh, Dylan Lee, I, I think it's a strong and solid bullpen. Nick Anderson had a good performance yesterday. And look, the, the lineup looks great. We don't know, obviously, about left field yet, but I, I think the rest of the lineup, uh, in whatever form it's going to have, is going to be extremely strong. I mean, I think this is one of the best rosters in Major League Baseball going into the year. Yeah, man, that's, yeah, you think Grissom's going to definitely get that uh, opening day start at uh, shortstop? Or I, I saw that he's – I thought I read he'd been killing it. Yeah, he's been really good. He's hitting over 500 so far. I mean, it's early on. But, yeah, I, I think he'll get it. I, I do. I'm I'm optimistic that he's going to get the job. I, I just – I believe in the kid, you know, and I think he's going to erase any doubt. Uh, of, of the worries that they have. They just don't want him to cost them games defensively. And, Coy, I just believe he's in time going to get better. Hopefully he'll be as good one day as Dansby or close to it. And I, I think the continued work with 
Ron Washington is what's going to be the key for that young man. And you know how Ron Washington is. He's going to work that kid every single day. Yeah, man. Ron Washington is great. I, I feel like that's been one of the one of the key moves that we had. And, you know, been a, I'm surprised. Well, I know that the other teams have shown interest in him being a head coach again, but us being able to hold on to him, I think, it, it, you know. Well, it's 70, so, you know. I mean, my God, people can't be a president at 80 and expect someone 70 to be a manager. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> I didn't realize he was that old, man. I, I didn't know that he yeah. was. I shouldn't say that old. I, I mean, that, but, you know, 70's got to be the new 60. Well, I mean, the only person that's over 70 right now is Dusty managing the game. Managing, well, is Bruce over? Bruce Bochy now being back? I don't think he's 70. I mean, Snit sixty-seven, so seems like there's one. Well, no, Larusa was like ninety-five, and he quit after last year. So I think Dusty's the only one over seventy now. Yeah. Well, hey, I, I have one more question for you. I was I so yesterday I actually turned it on and it was, I called a the end of a segment. It sounded like y'all were talking about uh, front office and money. Uh, mm-hmm. You were talking about the maybe the loss in revenue or. Not added or not getting the extra revenue from the playoffs, but I didn't catch enough to really understand what you were saying. What what was that about? Are are we well, in good, you know, financial shape or? Yeah, oh, no, it's great financial shape. The only thing that changed from 2021 really to 2022, and and I made this note for today if it did come up, the team's fourth quarter, which meant October, November, December revenue decreased from 102 million in 2021 to 53 million which is of course a 48 point difference during the same period from 2022 liberty media partially attributed the decrease to fewer home games the team played four home games in the fourth quarter of 2022 compared to 11 in 2021 so i said there's enough motivation right there coy to have the best team you can have because obviously the more games at home you have in october the more money you're going to make. I mean, if they had seven fewer home games in the playoffs because they got knocked out in the first round, if that doesn't tell you you need to have a great team to be able to go deep in October, nothing will. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that's what uh, – that was the tail end of it I caught. I thought that was the point you, that you were making, but yeah. just wanted to make sure there wasn't any – any any update on the uh, TV deal? Or I saw, you know, at one point where – is that Valley was maybe going bankrupt or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I think we're kind of waiting on that. Major League Baseball has made the arrangements, I think, to take over in case they do go bankrupt, and I, I think that's going to happen. I don't know how it's all going to shake out. I mean, obviously, we're four weeks from opening day, so we've got to find out here soon. But uh, Major League Baseball is going to have a plan. I have to give Ron, Rob, Rob Manford credit for that, even though he's a DB. Um to uh to to have everything kind of in place in case those RSNs regional sports networks go bankrupt I think major league baseball will will slide in I think they'll just regionalize MLB network and and in the south for example I think MLB network will become the Braves network Gotcha gotcha yep. Hey Coy take care of that little girl thank you Yep appreciate it man have a good one All right you too we appreciate it Jeremy in Memphis is next Hey Jeremy Hey, Bill, I want to talk Braves and the Bulldogs. So, okay, first of all, you know, I got, I got to talk about boy Vaughn Grissom, man. He's he's already raking, dude. Raking. He's doing really well, isn't he? Man, yeah. 
And I, re- you know, obviously I talked to him for two years before he got to Atlanta. But I remember last year when the Dansby talk was going on, and and like, well, if we let Dansby walk, what are we going to do? Uh, Grissom sending single A. There's no way he can replace him next year. We got to go sign somebody as a buffer between Swanson and uh, Grissom. And look at what we got here, man. No buffer, Bill. Well, the the blessing in disguise, I hate to say this, was Ozzy's injury that allowed, I think, Grissom to come up and to to play second base for the Braves and to get a sneak peek at him. If they had not had that, I don't think there's any doubt they would have gone and gotten another shortstop, whether it would have been Elvis Andrus. I mean, they they weren't going to pay all that money to uh, to to Correa, even though they liked him and wanted him a great deal. But, you know, I, I, I love it, too, because – and I know you talked about him and we kept an eye on him and everything. But last year when all those national guys were talking about uh, Anthony Volpe, uh, Volpe, whatever you pronounce his name, the big shortstop for the Yankees and the other kid they've got and, and all these shortstop prospects, and nobody was talking about Vaughn Grissom. It's like, why don't y'all talk about Vaughn Grissom a little bit? He's doing better even than those two Yankee prospects are. And then he came up and did fine offensively in the big leagues. It's like, what What do you guys want if you're not looking at Vaughn Grissom? And all along, he just kept on hitting. Yeah. And, you know, and when you look at, like, Dansby, so he's a career 255 hitter. He probably had – well, he didn't probably. He had his best year ever last year. And so the thing is, let the Cubs pay him all that money because I don't – I, I think last year was a one-off. I'm not sure it was to be terrible, but he did that one year, Bill. And, he, and still, even last year, he had almost 280. He's still 255 career hitter. Yeah. So go pay him all that money. But I think it's one of those contracts where they're going to look three or four years from now like, well, man, we're paying him all this money. He's not really producing for this contract. I don't think it's going to be terrible. But, I mean, I think they may have overpaid. So I oh, yeah. have Griffin, but I think he's gonna, we're going to save a ton of money. Now, the sad thing is, we don't spend that money on other people when we got Grissom not making anything. But still, the point is, we're not tying all this money up in, in dance because I think he's not no. going to live up to the contract. I don't think he was ever coming back. To be honest with you, I mean, I think, I think, I think Alex Anthopoulos knew that he was never coming back, and he was never going to give him anything close to it. He, he, you know, obviously he stays right around the area he's comfortable with. I never really was convinced that Alex was all in on Dansby Swanson and look, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I like and respect Dansby. Dansby will always be a hero. Anybody on the 2021 team will always be a hero. When they come back to Atlanta, they'll always be a big part of that team. Just like, look, Tom Glavin, even going to that damn team in New York, wearing that crappy orange and blue didn't change the fact that he was a hero from 1995 and he won game six. And he was a big part of the brave success 30 years ago. There's nothing that's going to change that, even him going to the Mets. Dansby going to the Cubs, not going to change that. He's always going to be a, a local kid who played for the Braves and did very well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, who in the hell would want to pay him $25 million? And the funny thing about it, Jeremy, is that the Cubs are, are in the last year of having to pay another former Brave, another hometown Brave player, a fortune and now he's going to be probably the fourth outfielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I'm talking about Jason Hayward. And I guess they didn't learn their lesson. Well, well, I think Bill, it, it, Alex knew what you and I knew that 
that it was going to take 25 or better to get Dansby, and he's not that kind of player. He had a one-off right. year. He's a good player. And, um, yeah, and Glavin, man, you, you talk about Glavin. But the thing about Glavin, so if Glavin's not playing for us that year, Bill, we don't win a World Series. So I hold Glavin in big regard. I don't care what he did after that. All I know is he got me a ring for my team, and so oh, that's yeah. all I care about. Well, Tom, you know, like Max, part of the reason why I love Max Freed is because I love Tom Glavin. And and Tom Tom was my favorite. With all due respect to Maddox and Smoltz, I mean, I loved Smoltzy too. And Maddox was just – I mean, I, I, I pride myself on being grateful that I was alive to watch someone like Greg Maddox. But Tom Glavin was my favorite because he was the first one up. In August of 1987, he was the first one up to change from the Del Murphy era of Braves baseball to the winning era that started in 1991. Now, it took a couple of years. It took three and a half years before Tom Glavin clicked and became a Cy Young winner, obviously, in 1991. But Tom was always my favorite. And I think Max represented to me that same kind of lefty pitcher that could come in and be your stud ace pitcher. And, I I mean, I said earlier in the show, and I'll say it again, I I don't think – I know he was drafted by the Padres, but he was developed by the Atlanta Braves. I don't think the Braves have had a better pitcher come out of their farm system since John Smoltz and, and Tom Clavin. I mean, you know, they they traded for, for Timmy Hudson. Um, I mean, I think right behind Max Fried is Tommy Hansen, who, you know, God bless him, he was a great pitcher for the Braves for four years, and he was a really good pitcher for this team for four seasons. But I, I think Max has become even better, and he's the best. Well, you know, th- those te- those Braves teams in the 90s, Bill, uh, I just love so much. I remember I used to go to St. Louis once or twice a year in the summertime back then. It's just right up the road from Memphis. And one time they were playing the Braves. I stayed there for the whole series. And we stayed, at the, me and our friends stayed at the same hotel as the Braves did. Oh, I cool. Remember, I remember one time I got on the elevator. Jeff Lauser was on the elevator with me. I remember um, Javi Lopez talking to him in the lobby, and I saw the other players in the lobby and got to talk to them and throughout the weekend. And that was a team in the 90s, man, and I just huh. I love those players. Um, they were great. So, um, and and yeah. look, we, we've got a team right now that I think is, is pretty close to that. I mean, they've got, they've got a great young catcher now with Sean Murphy. They've got a great first baseman with Matt Olson, uh, a great third baseman with Austin Riley. Uh, second baseman who is still can't we can't forget about Ozzy. He's still a vital member of this team. Obviously Vaughn coming up. We'll see what he is, and then Ronald and and Harris. That's a hell of a group of players. I mean, there are plenty of teams in baseball that are very envious of what I just rolled off there, and and to have Travis Darno also there, of course. And uh, sure, left field's a question. Shortstop's not a question for me. I, I'm just—it's not. I am confident in Vaughn Grissom, and I, I just hope that he does everything he can defensively to make Brian Snicker confident in him, because that's where it's going to be. It's going to be about the defense. It's not going to be about the bat. I don't think Snit has any reservation about that bat at all. It's whether or not he's going to be a problem in the field, and the more he shows he's not, the more he's going to play. But Man, I'm going to tell you, that's a hell of a lot. Just like the 90s lineup, and especially after they brought Chipper and Klesko up, I mean, there wasn't nobody in the game that had a – I don't give a damn about the Yankees. Give me a break. That Braves lineup with those suckers 
with Klesko and Javi and Schiffer to go along with what you had in the early 90s and then you get Fred McGriff? My God, that was unbelievable. Uh, you know, I, and I hate it. Bill, I don't like the Mets, but but I hated I hated the Yankees in the 90s because they were around. <laughs> and I don't like them to this day because of just the 90s and stuff. But, but I remember I hated the Yankees in the 90s, you know, because they were kind of the Braves' rival when it came to like oh, yeah. the World Series. Well, they um, – that 96, it, that, you know, hopefully in 40 years before I depart this mortal coil and they say, what are your regrets in life? I'm going to say I'm, my, my only regret is the Braves lost the World Series in 96. Absolutely. I'd <laughs> same here. Um, and then one thing on Georgia, man, I'm glad you said the start time spill because I can't wait. I think I'm going to have to plug in the TCU and Ohio State game. I'm going to have to fire that up and watch that because – I'm really missing some Georgia football. Now, I can't wait to see the quarterback matchup. I can't see, wait to see the line of scrimmage, and I can't wait to see the cornerbacks, who emerges from those freshmen at cornerbacks. So we got some battles, and even on other places on defense, but I can't wait for spring practice to start. Well, I'm with you, and I can't wait for the inside linebackers. I mean, I want to see if Wilson well, – I want to see what Jalen Walker, where they're going to put him. You know, are they going to let him try to replace Robert Bill on the other side? Um, I want to see that. Uh, obviously, you know, you're right. The quarterbacks, I had a, somebody tell me last night that he couldn't wait to see Everett. And I, I'm like, well, I'm, I can't wait to see him and Nylon Green. I, I still think of how I was when Nylon Green first joined the program and how I looked at his video and like, damn, he's really good. And, and so I think the competition on the other cornerback spot is going to be fierce. It's going to be really fun to watch that in spring practice. Um, Running backs, I mean, look, Kenny Mack's gone. Who's going to step up? You know, who's going to be there? And, of course, the, I mean, when you've got a quarterback competition, spring training, spring practice is always a lot of fun. So, no, it's going to be a real impactful camp, and can't wait to hear the stories coming out of there that leak out. And, of course, can't wait to watch the spring game on the 15th. Well, and the thing is, you know, you talk about the quarterback being in poor position in the last cruise, but I think, Bill, one of the most – underrated positions today as far as depth in college football is cornerback because because so many teams throw the football. And I got my fingers crossed none of these quarterbacks transfer. We still got to lose seven guys, but if we keep all these corners plus the guys coming in, Bill, I mean, we can roll out. If we have one or two injuries next year, we can roll out another top corner. And I love the fact that, that Kirby's building a, a lot of depth in the cornerback position because you need it against the Alabamas and the other teams that throw yep. the ball around. That's yep. so important. I'm telling you, best thing that ever happened to this program was second 26. It made Kirby know what we needed to get in that secondary, and that, that's what he's gotten. He's gotten bigger, taller, athletic. And with all due respect, there ain't no Malcolm Parrish back there anymore. Nope. Well, let's let's get it started, man. In a week all right. Two, man. Thank you, Jeremy. We appreciate it. We're going to take a break. We got the phone lines open, 478-646-ESPN. By the way, you can throw someone under the bus. I threw O.J. Simpson under the bus earlier. Supposedly, even after I did that, his head still stayed on. Back with more right after this. Welcome back. Bill and Russ on the radio. Phone lines are open, 478-646-3776. Turn it on MLB Network, see what game was on. It is the Dodgers and Diamondbacks from Arizona. 
still hard to believe the Dodgers are in Arizona, but kind of made sense to go out there compared to Vero Beach, Florida. That was a fun, fun place to be for spring training. The Braves used to play the Dodgers early in spring training when the Braves were at Disney and before the Dodgers moved out west. That field in Vero Beach for many years did not have an outfield fence. You had to hit it over this mound that kind of circled the outfield to hit a home run. And uh, then they finally put a fence up there. It was the hottest stadium in Florida. It had no overhang whatsoever. So uh, a couple of times we would know we were going to get a sunburn when we went to Vero Beach. But it was always a lot of fun. You'd always see all the old Dodgers players hanging around there, even though I can't stand the Dodgers. But it was fun to see those old players and uh, they would always have someone walking around there, including Tommy Lasorda's loud mouth. But now they're in Arizona, and they have been probably for a little over a decade, I imagine now. And uh, spring training is so much fun. I am going in a couple of weeks, and I'm really looking forward to it. Haven't been spring training since 2020. I was there right before the pandemic, and... Uh, I'll never forget the first time I really heard something was going on was uh, I was traveling. It was the last day, full day I was there before I came back to Macon, which was probably about this time in March, early March, very early, because I was having two trips that year. I was going early, late February, early March, and then going back in late March. It was the first year at the new park, and everybody was excited. It's a great environment, great vibe, of course. The fans going to see the, the new facility, and it was beautiful. It was a great, it's a great facility. And I remember getting a phone call from someone who told me I was actually traveling from Northport, Florida, where the Braves train, to Port Charlotte which is where the Rays train, and Skip Seda, who's on the show with me occasionally, of course, he was with me, and I was meeting him down at Port Charlotte. He was coming from somewhere else. And someone called me and said, one of the Red Sox prospects who was Japanese, I believe he was Japanese. I don't think he was Chinese. I think he was a Japanese minor leaguer for the Red Sox had COVID, and that was the first player in professional baseball that had gotten the virus. And um, everybody was wondering what the teams were going to do. That was on the Saturday before the Friday when everything kind of hit the fan. Well, everything really kind of hit the fan on the 11th of March, three years ago. That was that Wednesday night when President Trump spoke to the country, telling everybody we got a problem, and then – Right around the same time, I was watching the Hawks game, and they came on and said that Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz, uh, coached by Quinn Snyder, by the way, had COVID, and that was the first professional athlete that had COVID-19. And around the same time, like within the same hour, it came out that Tom Hanks and his wife were somewhere overseas, and they had contracted COVID-19. So that was like that Wednesday night on March 11th. It was two days before my birthday, so I remember the date. And that was like the first time 
obviously, and they've even done a 30 for 30 on it on ESPN. That was when, you may remember, um, Mark Cuban was sitting at courtside of the Mavs game, and he got the notice from the NBA that that would be the last game. And they were done. And uh, uh, I can't remember who the Hawks were playing. Was it the Knicks, maybe, Russ? I think they may have been playing the Knicks, but anyway, they were playing, and it was like you knew, boy, this is fixing to shut down because when you heard that first NBA player had it, like here we go, it's it's over with. And then the next day was when the Braves played that final game in Lakeland against the Tigers, and it was it. I was going back on the fifteenth, and nope, not to be because it was shut down that after that game on the. Uh, on the, I guess it was either the 12th or the 13th they were playing in Lakeland. I think it may have been the 13th that Friday, and that was the last game. And then they were pretty much not allowed to come to the complex on Saturday except to get their stuff and get out of there. And then they were all on their way to home, all the way to Atlanta. So, anyway, that was uh, hard to believe, but it was three, three years ago. But that's the last time I've been in spring training. I didn't go in 21 or 22 and so I'm looking forward to going at the end of this month to uh, see a little spring training baseball, maybe do some interviews and do some shows from down there. We'll have a good time. Skipper will be with me again, and we will have a good time for sure. So spring training is a special time. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, Rick Flatford, our our guest who's usually here with us talking Falcons football, he may be on next week. He's actually in Arizona at spring training. He is uh, going for two weeks, he said. He called me the other day, and he said, I'm headed back to Arizona um, to, to go see some spring training games. So he was all excited about that. And one day I would love to go to Arizona. I've never been out there uh, because, obviously, I'm always with the Braves at spring training in, in Florida. But it would be great because all those complexes are pretty close, and that's a good experience if you love baseball. All right, back to the phones we go. Joe is in Warner Robins. Hello, Joe. Happy day. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I just wanted to give you a quick update. That Dodger facility in in Vero Beach is called Dodger Town. Right. I've been up there many times. My folks lived down there. I had an aunt and uncle lived there. So I always made sure I visited during spring trainings. I remember the the last time I went down there, Ryan Klesko was a prospect or maybe a double-A player. And and he was hitting batting. He was hitting in batting practice in the main stadium, the main field, and he was hitting them over the pine trees. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was just hammering that day. It was ball. kind of it was kind of a real sign that you were in a different world when you went to Vero and you had no fence in the outfield, right? Yeah, I remember when I, I surprised my aunt and uncle. They had a pretty sweet place on an inlet, and uh, they had lime trees, lemon trees, and all this. Oh stuff. yeah, but we we cut some fresh fruit and 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 made the, made good use of them. <laughs> yep, absolutely. It it was even though it was the Dodgers, it was a fun place to go every year. Well, I went there when they only played the Braves. <laughs> there you go. I may show you the Braves were in town. So, yeah, that, that little clubhouse snack bar place, but that was pretty cool in, in the middle yeah. of the area. So, yeah, anyway, it was a cool. It was a cool place. I think they did it for training, uh, um, like uh, some Olympic training, and I mean they they still use that complex there because it was old. Old what, uh, uh, Army bases or Navy base, some kind of military base that was there that they uh, had their barracks for. That's where the players stayed back in the day. Yeah. But they, uh, they, they, I mean, remember the, the Dodgers had one of their farm clubs played there, and that's when they decided yeah. to uh, tighten up the budgets and uh, move, it, move it closer to the West Coast. Yeah. So. 
Well, you know, I mean, it used, when they were in Brooklyn, it made sense because people from the Northeast would drive to the, to the uh, state of Florida for spring training. But it, it does make more sense for them to be out there for their fans to go see them because how many people are going to drive from L.A. or the L.A. area to go to Vero Beach, Florida, you know? Those, those Dodger fans were down there for their uh, – they were down there anyway in their, in their summer homes or whatever. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right, Bill. Thanks. All right, Joe. Thank you. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. Let's take a break. We got one on hold. We'll get to Eddie, and we'll love to talk with you as well. Three lines open. Back right after this. Corner till five o'clock. Thanks for being with us. Couple thanks from Twitter. First of all, J Rad. Is it too late to throw Michi and Williams under the bus? Never, J Rad. Also, the real Jim Shady says Arizona spring training is far superior to Florida. Proximity of ballparks plus consistent weather, very little rain. Recommend highly. I've been several times, and you can just use Phoenix as your hub with Sky Harbor Airport right there. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely, that's, uh, I hate that term, bucket list. I just want to live my life and not try to cross off things before I die, for crying out loud. But that's something I want to do, for sure, is go to Arizona spring training. Also, so we're going to start hearing these things from the Combine now. Listen to this. Kalijah Cansey, a big kid, 6'1", 281 from Pittsburgh, ran the fastest 40-yard dash by someone who weighs 280 pounds or more since 2003 when he ran today a 4.67 40-yard dash. And by comparison, nine years ago, another Pittsburgh Defensive lineman by the name of Aaron Donald, who was six foot and three fourths, two hundred eighty-five pounds, four pounds heavier than Cansey, ran a four-six-eight. So there you go. All right, to the phones we go. Eddie and Ackworth is with us. Hello, how are you, sir? Hey, Bill. Just laughing about J. Rad's daily Mitchie and Williams tweet. It's always cracks <laughs> me up. Beautiful. It's beautiful. He he'll never let him forget it. And, and speaking of other callers, this is one of my favorite times of the year because we don't have to listen to Ken from coming call your show and talk about his stupid Dodgers. True. Yeah. Yeah. He he, he got he, I think he got mad at me when I started talking about those blue bastards yesterday or the day before, and so maybe he won't call back anytime soon about that. I don't want to hear it. I'm good with that. You can tell him I said that. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. I'm sure he is. <laughs> uh Bill, you made me think back that it was three years ago, <clears throat> running you like you were, person. And frankly, I give you credit. I don't know how you did it, but when the world shut down, we had no live sports to talk about until what the MLB came back. Wasn't that the latter part of July? Yeah, July twenty sixth. Finally came back. Yep. Right. So we we basically went four some odd months with no live sports to talk about, and I remember listening to your show like I always do, but it was it was depressing because all we talked about was the stupid virus, Tiger King, and the Michael Jordan <laughs> special. That's literally <laughs> all we had to talk about. You're right. No, it was it was tough. It was a tough four months. There were times where Russ and I were like, well, what the hell do we do today? And we got through it, though, and did the best we could, and you know, we tried to be informative because we almost felt like we had a, a duty to be, but I had to stop after about a month of giving those numbers. I was getting depressed, Eddie. Yeah, I know. I know. And and what's weird to think about is that we were, I was with you, we were all thinking, will sports ever 
come back. I mean, we were literally thinking ever yeah. at that time because we didn't know. Um, but I can remember thinking all my buddies were saying that football ain't happening this year. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Sports is like over as we know it now moving forward. So I'm glad we're not there anymore. That was that was Absolutely. a rough stretch back. It was awful. Ago. It was awful. It, it's, uh, you know what? I'm glad we survived it because one point one million didn't, and uh, but still, it's and everybody probably, everybody. I can't imagine no one not having any knowledge of someone who had it and died. I mean, I had a very good friend here in Macon, and then we had one of our guests, Saku Smith, who was an NBA reporter and. We loved having Saquon on. He was a great guy. Just enjoyed having him on for years, and he died. And so, yeah, hard to believe three years, but it um, next week will be the anniversary of it. Yeah, crazy. Well, um, you're you're reading that tweet um, that that guy put out. His name escapes me about the um, uh, position players moving, like uh, where they have to stay in a certain position so they're not playing in the wrong position and then they move and the ball's hit. Do you really think that's that's doable? I just I don't see how I don't know. a second baseman can play shaded over and then move at the crack of the bat when Olsen hit one where he normally hits it and the guy yeah. on the move make that play. I, I don't see how that's feasible, Bill. Well, I, I think the big thing is, okay, you got a lefty hitter up there. Do you have a shortstop in that regard? Just start his motion of running toward the back, uh, you know, running toward the other side of the bag. In other words, I guess when, once the pitcher starts the motion, does he then, the shortstop, start toward second base? Um, I don't know. I mean, that sounds like something they would legislate. So it's awfully weird. I, I mean, I still can't wait, and I need to ask this when I get down there, if not before. I, I, I just still think there's going to be some type of 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 team that will go and say okay we can't put our third baseman over there we're going to bring the right fielder up we're going to put him you know especially if the spray chart shows that the hitter has a propensity to hit the ball on the ground or either you know line drive to right field but it falls let's say i don't know what 150 feet from home plate okay so that's where you would last year put your third baseman. He can't come over here now. He's going to have his feet on the dirt. He's got to be on that side of the back. So do you bring the right fielder up and, and almost say, well, high risk, high reward? Because if the batter pulls it down the line in the corner, the center fielder's got to run over and get the ball, or either the right fielder's got to turn around and go back on the ball. Or do you think, you know what, if I had my third baseman there, He'd, he'd catch that ball. I'm going to just boom my right fielder in. I mean, that it's going to be fun to see if things like that are in the strategy. Because you know what? If it is, they're not going to do it until April. Yeah. Two more things. Um, <clears throat> I am one of those guys who does not care. Well, I mean, defense is important. Don't get me wrong. But I'm so tired of the argument, well, Vaughn Grissom is not going to play the kind of defense that Dansby Swanson did. Okay. What is that going to – I mean, he's not going to commit an error every game. I just think it's ridiculous. And I will take Vaughn Grissom not striking out a million times over the course of the year versus what Dansby brought. When he was good, he was really good. But those were short stretches. The majority of the time, Dansby stunk at the plate. I'm sorry, yep. he did. And that's, that's a fact. Right now, Bill, 
with the stats that you've seen coming out of spring training, you had to start the season today. Who's your starting left fielder? Rosario. Oh, really? Not Pilar? Mm, no, because I I still think that Pilar is going to be a very valuable piece off the bench. I mean, whether it's Azenda or Rosario, I think Rosario really hadn't played too much this week. I don't know what the deal is there, but, I mean, they say he's hit, swinging the bat very well, and they say he says his vision is very good as, as well. So, I, I mean, Azuna hadn't hit. He hadn't hit. So, I, I still think they would prefer to have Pilar coming off the bench as like the uh, the – you know, the defensive replacement for either one of them, Rosario or or Azuna. But look, if if uh, Azuna doesn't win that job or if he's not on the roster, you know, could, could Pilar get some at-bats against lefty pitchers? Sure, he could. I think he could. But I, I think they're anxious to see Rosario. And so far, the things I've read about Rosario are very good. Well, that's good. Now, I will say, counter to what I just said, defensively, the left field position is much more important to me shortstop with your arm and corralling balls and all that so i think that's key and that's why i would have leaned towards pilar right now well and and look if pilar still has the defensive ability that he had in years past of course he's coming off a shoulder problem now so we don't know what that arm's all about uh because we know what happened with azuna after he had a shoulder issue but if pilar is still that really really good pitcher I mean, I, sure, he could get some advances as the starting left fielder. He could. I mean, I, I'm not. I don't want to leave him out, but I just think Rosario has a really good shot because they 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 love Rosario. They loved Rosario even before he did what he did in 2021. They wanted to sign him before the 2021 season in Minnesota. Uh, I'm sorry, Cleveland gave him a little bit more money. So we'll see. I I I love Pilar though because I mean, hey, look, if they wind up starting Pilar, I'm fine with that because of Pilar Harris. Acuna outfield, holy crap, Eddie! Yeah, well, I, I'm still rooting for Rosario because he's—he let's face it—he's yeah. still a cult hero, cult hero in Atlanta. Sure, absolutely. We all want to see him bounce back after last year. Yeah, and if he can see, I don't see any reason why he won't do that because this guy's always been successful. He's never been a two twelve hitter. He's been very good in his career. He had a great season in 2019 and. I think you can do it again. I'm really rooting for him, and I'm rooting for Azuna too. I am. I I want Azuna to do well. I I hope he I hope he can. All right, Eddie. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Four seven eight six four six three seven seven six. We'd love to hear from you. Back with more sports talk. Throw someone under the bus for us as well. Back on the Bill Shank Show. <laughs> 